welcome to another gorgeous episode of the Momos and the Appas, a podcast discussing the Avatar universe's folklore episode by episode. We're your hosts, Eric Lefebvre, Dr. Amber Jones, and Jessica Tresero. We are continuing our journey through Avatar The Last Airbender. We've made it to book to Earth. Ooh. We are on. Yes. Yes. Celebration. Bow, 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 bow. Mm-hmm. We're on chapter one, the Avatar state. In this first chapter of book two, the war is getting closer and more personal. Azula enters the chat, Zuko misses daddy, Katara is worried about Aang, and Aang is hella triggered. It pops off in this episode, y'all. Yes, it's like there's good, so much that happens. They waste so, no time. No. Zero time. It's so good. So first and foremost, congratulations to all. We made it to season two. Woo-hoo! Happy happy season two for everybody. Happy, yes. happy book two. Arguably, this is kind of what we've been waiting for. 100%. Um, we've been waiting for Azula. We've been waiting for season two because season Toph. two is the season. It ha- Oh, get Toph? Like literally everything that solidifies this as a fantastic show happens yes. now. Yes. So we're going to start. And this episode is such a little powder keg for all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Where do we start? Really, in these early episodes, there's so much that foreshadows what's going to be like the biggest deals this season. So we start off and um, like they're talking to Paku and he's about to like sail off and woo their grandmother again. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gives them some scrolls for training um and in general is just like very nice he doesn't give Sokka anything I know I thought that was so funny (laughs) (laughs) like he's like Katara this is for you you get this water be very careful and then Aang here's the water bedding scrolls and then good luck (laughs) good luck Sokka (laughs) responsibility well as as I was watching it too I did feel bad because I also mentioned to Eric because we were both watching it together I'm like didn't his girlfriend like literally just kind of die yeah like, he can't he can't get a fucking break <laughs> like, like he's, in, he's literally him. in mourning and they're like oh you're still here cool <laughs> like, oh, okay for sure go hang out with the i'm gonna go cool fuck your grandma right now um, <laughs> yeah <you> literally <laughs> sorry about your girlfriend your but i'm gonna fuck your grandma um peace yeah. out <laughs> You're gonna call me granddaddy soon. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh shit. I mean, he's a whole different person because now he realizes that women are capable and can do things, right? Like, and oh, he's yeah. like, well, uh, Ang better get used to calling you Master Katara. Ha ha ha. I'm a fuck your grandma. Bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, part of me wonders, because like, I mean, look, that shit doesn't happen overnight, right? Like that change, like that fundamental yeah. change. So part of me wonders mm. how much of that is like performative because he's like, oh, wait you're her granddaughter okay cool you know what you are a water bending master now yeah, look how cool bending. that is yeah. um look how cute yeah. i'm gonna go tell your grandma and then i'm gonna get in there by the way i yeah, yeah I, I made your granddaughter a yeah. water bending master just yeah she was she learned so quickly <laughs> Yeah. And he's just going to like not even mention <laughs> that like he denied like the fight that they had and like it, <laughs> none of that is like, going is to it, be around. Isn't it cool that I see this young woman as a person? Um, <laughs> want, do you want to fuck now? Or, like, what I do think you that's think? exactly how it went. Well, okay. Like, you know how bloodbending is a thing, right? 
And now we're talking about sexy things. There's a very specific liquid that... Like the water bender's penis pump, basically. Or cunt bending, too. Like, that could, like... True, true. Imagine. Did you say cum bending? Yes, because there is oh, blood bending, God, yeah. right? And yes. there's got to be cum bending. I be. mean, like, are you guys familiar That's a sacred, with sacred, sexy art? Um, Big Mouth. Do you guys watch Big Mouth? I, I watched the first season. I struggle. Oh, I struggle well, with it. Unfortunately, it, I mean, I can understand the struggle with it because they they get a lot of important things. Well, Nick Kroll, I have an issue with sometimes, but every, literally it. everybody on that show and all the writers I love, like Mitra's on there, Io Debris on there, Jenny Slate was on there early on. Like, yeah. there's so many fucking funny people on it, but I just struggle with that as like a whole. I do. I, I love the show, even though they do get some important things wrong. But there is um, <laughs> an episode where there's like it's it's like a fantasy episode. Where you end up finding out it's like in someone's imagination but all the students in the school woke up with superpowers and um one of them wakes up and he's a cum bender really oh my god <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's like disgusting but it's so oh good <laughs> is that what they say too that he's a cum bender i was just like well, well yeah the, the last cum bender <laughs> oh yeah no i have not seen that show at all i like the i the, mean the closest i've gotten is it's like popped up on my netflix as like yeah yeah you should watch that this was- um if, if only if that just like little morsel of that happens in the show is enough to <laughs> um inspire you to give it a chance um it it, it happens and it is a very important commentary on our show i believe (laughs) i want to do that how cool would that that would be so cool but so the journey kind of starts off um again they're on the boat we get their things and then they fly off to i'm looking up uh avatarfandom.com and it literally said earth kingdom outpost so (laughs) they arrive at an earth kingdom outpost and then this is where they end up landing it's on their way to armashu uh, they meet, what is this man's name? Uh, Look Fung? at me being so bad at this. They meet General Fong and he's just essentially like, oh, hey, what's up, y'all? We saw your hot shit back there. Yeah, heard you, you like kind of killed it. Do you want to like help us end the war? Uh, and Katara's like, he's not ready. He's just a kid. And he's like, I don't care if he's just a kid. Um, imagine how many other people are going to die if we don't do this now. And he's like, well, actually, I don't know how to do it. He's like, well, you're going to learn. Um, and so... Gives him the choice, essentially, to use his power to end the war, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then when he decides not to, Fong is like, oh, for sure, then I'm going to make you. Well, and then that's this whole storyline. And it's like, there's not really a choice in any of that, too. Because, like, mm-hmm. Fong is just such a master manipulator. Where he, yeah. like, yeah. he does the thing, um, which, like, you know, all, all great manipulators do. Where the very first thing he does when he sees everybody is like just compliment them like like crazy right like Sokka blushes like um he's like oh the mighty Katara and brave Sokka and like here's fireworks and also oh my god you guys did all of that that's so cool like wow I'm so impressed you're like you're so ready to take on the fire lord like 
And then he's like, oh, well, maybe. No, you're you're ready. You're ready actually right now. Um, because look at these people down here. And then he like tries to like be like, but my people are dying, right? Which yeah. like there is like an argument to that. But like Aang is not ready. <laughs> but he doesn't care. He's just trying to like get the glory for himself, you know? So he like pays yeah. compliments. He does like he offers to help him learn. And then he ultimately guilt trips him into doing it. You know, which yeah. isn't really a choice. It's not a choice. I do like that it is a little bit complicated because he does have a point to that, right? Mm-hmm. There is something to say about like, if we have the power now, why don't we just try? Like, why don't we just go end this so we can stop the death as it stands now and move forward? So I get that. But again, at the same time, he's not giving this person a choice. And not just a person, a child. He also <laughs> didn't seem He's not giving this child. Like in when he's no, tried to like he's... center like the the people that have been hurt or anything, he wasn't no. earnest at all in being like, look at these people are so hurt. Let's go talk to them. Well, he was just like, because not to look at people are not to be like that guy, oh, that guy, whatever, not to be critical. I'm going to be critical of this. Um, I'm like, why are you like, if you know you're going to lose, why are you sending more troops? Like, just just for the time being cool off like stay home are you being invaded at the moment no so why don't you bring everybody fucking home and then just wait until it's more of a defensive instead of trying to be offensive and like literally sacrificing your people exactly so i'm like oh well you're you're still making the choice to send these people to die so you're a bad yeah you know but it does lead us into another gorgeous fight scene first episode back and it is fantastic. Everything about it from the earth bending when Katara comes down and he like spins her into the ground like a little corkscrew. Yes. Iconic. All of the, like the huge um, wheels that he's jumping through. Mm-hmm. And then when he like runs up the wall and like does a backflip and everything about it fucks. Uh, yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome. Like when they do finally like press the right button and make it seem like they're like suffocating Katara. Uh, he finally goes into the avatar state uh, and it is like just kind of like a perfect like progression because you can like you can see the moment that he just like lets go and he's like all right let's murder these people like I've been begging them <laughs> yeah. to leave us the fuck alone but now it's time to fucking die um, <laughs> and uh, we also learned something very important that is important for both um, series um, at this point, when um, Aang goes into the Avatar state, um, Roku comes and visits him and is like, oh, by the way, yes, you are super powerful in this state. But if you get killed in this state, it's all over. And yeah. that is new when we learn it in this episode. He's like, look at all these people. Their lives will be end- will end forever uh, if you fuck up. So don't fuck up. King. And I like that juxtaposition <laughs> of like when you yeah. are your most powerful, you are also your most vulnerable. Like I mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it's like it's a better version of the like, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Like yes. because yeah. it I feel like it carries a lot more meaning. Yeah. Because the whole episode, this general is trying to be like, oh, but wouldn't it be nice if you could just flip it on and off? But uh like power is not supposed to work that way. He's not supposed to have access to this awesome world-ending power with, like, no consequences whatsoever. And acting like you can have one without the other is ridiculous. 
And like Fong right from the get go just objectifies Aang in a way where he sees him as a tool and as a destruction of like as as a weapon to be utilized and like you said turned on and off right to where even even after his forces are like decimated right talk about like um, you know more people getting injured (laughs) like Mm -hmm. which obviously clearly he does not give a shit about Um, he's just in he's so stoked he's like fuck yeah, we did it. Let's go now. We'll do this. We'll just put your girlfriend in danger every single time. Like, it's so cool. And, like, the tears in a- on on Aang's face when, like, Katara gets taken, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. the whole episode really starts with um, Aang having a bad dream about uh, the Avatar state because he's afraid of it because he loses control. And we we he's kind of revisiting all of the times he's been in the Avatar state and the harm that it's caused. The first time he disappeared for a hundred years the second time he almost hurt his friends you know uh the third time he like you know so like he's going through all of um all of these times in his head and he's kind of starting to process that and also feeling incredibly guilty that uh the genocide of his people happened while he was gone right that um and the avatar state is kind of responsible for that so he has all these really complex feelings that he's going through um and so he is at uh like this really vulnerable emotional state and uh fong just kind of like takes it and rides with mm-hmm. it right and it, yeah. i thought it was really interesting that the only time that um ang like realizes like oh no this is wrong because katara tries to tell him right she's like look i don't like this version of you um i i can't stand by and watch you do this you need to you need to think about this and he's like yeah but i also have to help everybody right like again playing into his guilt but like even Katara can't get through to him in that moment. It's Zuko. Like when he dreams about like using the wielding this power against Zuko, then he's just like, Oh, mm. you know what? I can't do this. I'm out. Like, and mm. this episode is also just like the parallels between Zuko and Aang, right? They are both being manipulated. Oh. Like at at like their most vulnerable state that we've seen them, right? And they both get betrayed and mm. they they both have to like uh, it, the parallels between the two of them yeah. are great in this. Yeah. Talking about like that one of the parallels is like you get introduced to this idea of there's a difference between like getting to where you want to be and getting to where you want to be the right way. Yes. That in both stories, A and B, it's like, yeah, we want to do this the right way. It's going to take longer. It's going to be harder, but we're choosing that because we have to do it the right way versus the people who are pushing you to do something the wrong way just to do it faster and better and get it done right away. Yeah, and it is interesting to see that those two sort of catalyzing forces are Fong and Azula, right? Mm. They're the ones who ultimately show each one of these characters in this sort of dichotomous storyline that like, this isn't the way it's going to happen. Like I, I, I want to get into uh, Zuko's subplot for a second, but but before we do that, the one thing that I really wish would have happened and how cool would this have been? Hear me out. If in that moment when Aang's welling up with tears, what if Katara stole them and turned them into oh, ice? That'd be so sick. And just like like pulled them out of out of him and then just like 
into Fong. She she was yeah. she was under oh, that's she was true. under the earth. That's why he cried. When we Damn see Fong like, like, like take her water, like that I mean, like I know we're not killing yeah. anybody like that, but like wouldn't that be crazy? Oh. That would be very cool. Genius. Cry bending. Okay. We we've um, already talked about this. <laughs> B plot. Immediately we're starting it off so right. We get Iroh so right. naked almost the entire time. We're getting so much belly. We're getting yeah. so much shoulders. His like immediately we're back. We're taking a break. It's like, mm-hmm. let me get a massage from some hotties. Like this is perfect. That's all I need. Um, and he keeps telling Zuko to just like, just take a break. Like calm down. <laughs> Have Get a massage. Like what are you even doing? Uh, and it is just like we kind of just get right back into the heart of things with them. Yes. Iroh trying to make sure that Zuko really reassesses this need to please his dad and to like get back and to prove himself because he, he knows that's not what's happening. That's not what's going to happen. He'll never receive that validation. So it's like, we're already getting right back into that, which is perfect. But then subsequently we're introduced to one of the most iconic characters of the entire series, which is his sister Azula. Mm. Right. Coming oh, she in shows on up. A before we get game. there. Oh. Yes. Oh, I was just saying, like, before we get there. So, like, since the last time um, we saw Zuko and Iroh at the North Pole, like, Iroh explains that they were, like, literally, like, drifting in the sea, like, starving and, and like, could have been eaten by, like, sea monsters and stuff like that. Um, which is just, like, oh, like this fall from Greece is just so like dramatic. Like, yeah. like yes, his life was kind of shitty before he was exiled and like, but he still had like a shitty little ship with a crew and um a, and someone who like made his meals and stuff like that too. You know, having this defeat at the North Pole and now like completely stranded. Um, we also find out that it is the anniversary of his uh, of him being exiled. It That's has true. been three full years, which is a really long time <laughs> during this like formative stage for Zuko. Um, and now enter Azula. Yeah, and now she's back. She's like, "Hey, brother, what's up?" Dad said, "Come home." I mean it. Believe me, because I'm your sister. And immediately, Iroh is like, "Um, you're a liar. Uh, don't believe my her. brother. We never changes this. his mind, like ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah there's so much. Um, uh, there's just such richness to it because, like, when he says that, I'm like imagining a million uh, examples that he would have had growing up that he would have been like, um, no, that doesn't sound like Ozai at all. That does not sound like him. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like, so we mentioned that like Azula comes in so winging, like everything about her is just like so perfect and calculated. Like um, when they first come back and uh, back to like wherever they're staying in like that room or something and Azula is just there. She just found them. 
Like nobody knows how she found them, but she just knew where she was, where they were. Um, and, I, and Iroh just got done saying, "Ooh, all of these seashells. I love these seashells." And she's toying with one. <laughs> oh yes, in her oh, hand. My God. The power that holds. You're just like, oh my god. Yes. And then she cru- she crushes seashell. it. And then she yeah. breaks one, and his eyes just like dart at her, and she's like, "I know what I'm and, doing." And this scene yeah. is right after her introduction oh, scene, where so she perfect. she's yeah. on this ship that has like this like pagoda on it, and she like is carried like five feet <laughs> onto this uh um palanquin, right? And she just mm. starts giving orders and she's like, um uh they try to oh, like iconic she's like, look, I know, I know that I they're the forgetting. royal family, but like if you hesitate to uh kill my brother or my uncle, I'll kill you personally. And then like the the um her like first officer or whatever is like well, it's going to take a minute to get into town. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, Can you explain the tides to me? I don't know about them. And he's like, oh, well, this is this is what it is. And she's like, oh, great. So do the tides command this ship? And he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, she just like, uh, like everything that she says, like you said, is so just perfect. so calculated. And well, so like, d- like the, so like. And following uh, it up to the way she says, like, will the tides hesitate from slamming your body against the rocks on the shore mm-hmm. and he's like no perfect well then maybe you should focus your energy on the one person who might consider saving your life and he's yeah. like uh yes captain <laughs> you're like yeah. she's the she's already decided to kill you i'm still mulling it over yes exactly she's she's so vicious mm-hmm. like literally this introduction scene is like this is all we need to know about azula deliciously this is going to be her. and the deliciously the vicious music coupled like that that like dissonant um like uh yeah like i i don't know how to describe it but that like dong where it's like out of tune and awkward and and like mm-hmm. and unsettling like every time that she's on screen it's just like it's I don't know. It's the perfect cue for Azula, where like you you have to pay attention and you can't turn away, even though it's a mess. And yeah, and yeah, this is it. also coupled with this scene. We also see her uh, lightning bending. The yeah. first time we see uh, her which, bend is fucking lightning, which immediately tells us like the only time we've seen this is the one time during the storm when Iroh did it. Yes. And it was this huge monumental thing. If our first introduction we to her is the effortless a person create yes. lightning, so without seeing her create it from nothing without a storm, effortlessly clear as fucking day, clear as day. To the point also where like the one thing that's frustrating is that there was one hair out of place. Right? It's like Lo and Lee are sitting there and they're like, it wasn't. It wasn't perfect. There was a hair out of place. And then she's like, Ugh. and so like the meticulousness and the the yeah. perfectionism tied to that strength that she carries with her. Yeah. Terrifying. Here, terrifying. Yeah. I was like, another reason why Azula is just the best. Like, I just love this character the one. so much because they they make sure that you know that not only was she just like born fucking talented, she was just amazing from birth. You also can tell that she works hard, that she Mm -hmm. got like a lot of favors in just like the natural talent, but then also worked really fucking hard and took that natural talent and made it like a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. Like and like that is why I love Azula. Yeah, because it is the nepotism yes. aspect of it, like you said, natural gifts and and privileges. Mm-hmm. But 
she is nonstop working and becoming better, which makes her the most dangerous yes. character. More so even than Ozai. Yes. More so, like at 100%. least in these instances, 100%. more so than any of these other people. They just haven't Ozai realized. Ozai wishes he was Azula. Ozai yes. wishes he was Azula. That is yes. absolutely true. So it is just if this is our first impression for her, Jesus Christ, it's so good. Yes, <laughs> her little quips. When she's talking to Iroh and Zuko, be like, oh, you've been gone a long time in my country. Yes. We do this. And I was like, that is so hurtful. Yeah. <laughs> like, that like, is so hurtful. She's like, wow, you must have forgotten the customs. Banishment really suits you. Like, <laughs> oh, you you just must have forgotten exactly. I can't believe you didn't say hello before jumping into conversation. It's like. And her plan She's, totally would have worked 100% if that guard had not slipped. Yeah. like, And that yeah. is so and funny. That is literally the funniest fucking thing. Where it's like, yes. I mean, I love I love that Iroh knows it's a pl- plan. It's a plot. It's a ploy. He knows it. He is the whole time looking at all the guards, like, side-eyeing every single person, calculating the escape route. Like, he's aware. Oh, yeah. And so as soon as they're getting up to the ship and she's like, oh, of course, I'm, I can't wait for daddy to see you. And then he's like, yeah, where should I put the prisoners? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, um, sorry, wait, uh, prisoners? And it's like, uh, and Azula, I'm so sorry. Immediately. <laughs> immediately spin kick. Action. Yeah. And then immediately um, like, regrets. And Zuko immediately gets in his feelings. <laughs> yes. And then he's she like, regrets what? being, no. uh. Uh, letting him live when she was like, "Oh well, the Daddy ocean isn't gonna." Love me. <laughs> yeah, sister wasn't being nice just to be nice. Um, another just absolute power move that Azula does that when Zuko gets all in his feelings and attacks her, and like they're fighting, she doesn't fire men back at him. Like, it's a total power move. Like, Zuko is throwing, like, fireballs, whatever, and she is just dodging. And then, like, they get to this point, and she, like, kind of smirks, and that's when she fire bends back at him. Like, she didn't even, like, he expended all of her energy, and she didn't even have to fire bend once back at him. And it was, like, just this, like, perfect retelling of how the history between these two have been this whole entire time like he's the emotional one he is all worried about destiny and blah 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 she has always been much more clear-headed and now she finally finally gets a chance to show the world that she was about that life like the whole entire time that this is yeah this guy is just a clown who was born at the right time i am yeah. <laughs> the future fire lord i'm the future of the fire nation it's the perfect upping the stakes for a second season because because Perfect. like we we are getting the semblance of like yeah when Zuko gets his stride maybe he's determined so that's like enough possibly yeah and we know that Ozai is kind of scary so like it's gonna be rough yeah uh but to up the stakes to such a degree where like in that first season we have not met the most powerful character yet no here she is 
what the just, fuck are you going to do about it? Literally, literally, what are they going to do about it? How, like, it is such a, it seems like such an impossible task based on this first yes. episode. Like, oh, now we have to get through her. How is that going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like that, I don't think at this moment is possible. She's not even at her most powerful yet. Yes. Even with the Avatar state, even with everything, there's still like a, well, Azula could probably still beat you. And I also forget that this is the ponytail episode too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, that's this one? So they run off and it is sort of like the, we're on our own. We've completely, like, they they only want us back there as prisoners. Mm-hmm. We're fucked. They do not want us alive. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get rid of our lineage. So it's a ceremonial, like, this gorgeous blade, cut the top, throw mm-hmm. it, cut the top, throw it, and we watch yes. their And their that's like a super, super, super big moment, too. Uh, again, yeah. I'm bringing in the Kiyoshi novels here, but um, Kiyoshi's mm-hmm. uh, lover, I think her name is Rinki. Um, she's Fire Nation, yeah. and there's a moment where her... Her, her her mom has to has to cut the top knot off and that's like their honor that is everything that's their history that's their family that's like so it is like having I mean it's already emotional seeing them do it but like having that extra context because they do like give it a lot more weight in the in that book was like dang mm. it's yeah it's rough it's yeah even cooler with the rewatch and I'm always impressed by shows like before binge watching and rewatching was like really popular I'm always impressed by shows that had details that are best appreciated on the rewatch and so on the rewatch for this episode when um, Zuko is cutting his top knot off like you see the inscription on the blade and we know from a few episodes later that the inscription on the blade says never give up without a fight Mm. um and so like if you were someone who could read Chinese you could see that and be like oh that's cool that's a cool little detail that not everybody is going to get out of it but we do learn what it says later is that the language that was written in here was that written in Chinese you know, I said that and I immediately doubted it. I know that they do <laughs> use, like, I know that unlike other things, they used real characters for all, like, the language, all, like, the okay. printed language and avatar. Like, because, like, when you watch, like, Mulan, they literally just have, like, nonsense characters. Right. Um, but I know that they're real characters. And so if you were someone who could read the real characters, I wish, uh, yeah, I, I see Eric has that I'm looking it up look on his face. <laughs> I just wasn't sure because I know that, like, a lot of shows or, like, games and things like that, they, uh, they make up their own language. And, like, even yeah. if it is based on something else. So, like, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, is it actually... Like, I think it is real or supposed yeah, to Yeah, so under the references, the writing on Zuko's knife reads uh, these four specific characters never give up without a fight. Mm. But what... So let me see if... Yeah, that is uh, Chinese characters. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah, these are, these are I knew Chinese it. I, characters. I, I was just pretending. Oh, were you? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, you could have stopped. You could have been like, no, I am right. Please stop. No, I'm right. <laughs> why are you? Why are you questioning? Why are you questioning? Oh my god, I'm so sorry, Azula. <laughs> on 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 International Women's Day, my god. Oh, my god, Azula. <laughs> yeah. 
this is a also, episode to ha- talk about International Women's I was, Day. I was just going to say, happy International Women's Day for Azula. Just ode to Azula, because like you said, like she raises all of the stakes. Like all truly, it's them. not it's not the show without her. No, it's not because uh, everything leads to that ending, and obviously, as we're gonna see the whole final battle and everything next season, sure. But the more we talk about her, especially towards <laughs> the end, the more we're gonna see specifically, like, no, he's not the one to beat; she is. Yeah, and the way and the way that on. Oh my god, I just want to talk about it because it's, it's just so perfect. good. We're gonna need to we're talk about gonna, that fight so yeah. hard. Oh my god. Okay, we will. Um. So yeah, now they're on their own. Uh, they're the the top knots are gone. They're it's essentially the rebuking of family. We're out. We're on our own. We're gonna make it work with us. And to me, I also like it because it does seem like this sort of, um, it's almost like a galvanizing force that makes uh Zuko more trusting of Iroh. Mm-hmm. Right, like because of the deception. It's another one of those instances where it's like Iroh was right. He really was looking out for my best interest. He has been this yeah. one for me. So there is this level of, okay, it's us. And I'm going to trust him more now than I've ever trusted him. Not only because he has to, because he's the only <laughs> person in, on his team moving yeah. forward. But it is just, uh, it's cool to see because, again, Uncle Iroh is kind of his, uh, un- Uncle Iroh is right. He is good. He has changed. He is like, he is the the epitome of just existing. Like, he doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want war. He's only protecting his nephew. He just wants tea and to hang out. Yeah. And And he's like, he wants to exist. He's very clear about what actually matters to him. Mm -hmm. He is. Yeah. Yeah. And And it's so gorgeous and earnest. And that's Zuko. And I think that's why, like, starting this episode with that tension of, like, Zuko being. like it, it being his three anniversary of his banishment um, of like Iroh kind of saying the wrong thing, right? <laughs> Where he's like, uh, oh, your dad, uh, your dad, um, why would he banish you if he didn't care? I mean, uh, well, shit. Um, he was like, yeah, uh, <laughs> that wasn't one of your best ones, <laughs> Iroh. <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't great. Um, but then um, he goes on to, to say like, look, I care about you. Something's wrong with this. And Zuko being this being the anniversary being like so heightened full of emotions and everything. And like, so blinded by his like earnest desire to, um, to have his daddy, like have his family back and have his dad not think that he's worthless to regain that honor. And like his, um, like just the way that his dad, like he wants his dad to see him. Right. Tells, uh, tells him, you don't care about me. My dad does. You're just lazy, mistrustful, shallow, and jealous of your brother. And like, to like seeing how deep that that hurts Iroh and like Zuko is obviously in pain and he's lashing out. Iroh knows this, but that doesn't make it any less painful. And Zuko knows in that moment, he's like, oh, fuck. Like, I fucked up. But you know what? I do want my daddy. And I I have a chance right now. I have to take it. And the the relief that he sees when Iroh, like, is like, hey, wait for me. Like, he's like, oh, my God. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're coming. Like, it... Like, mm-hmm. it seemed like he was going to, like, tear up a little bit. So to have yeah. all of that be in here with, like, okay, like, you know, we're going to do it your way, Zuko. And I'm mm. and I w- am going to tell you, I will not abandon mm. you. Even if you make the wrong yeah. decisions, I am going to be here for you and show yeah. up. And then have everything, you know, go yeah. to shit. 
because I think Iroh also realizes that like even though Zuko does not and probably cannot show it on the surface he's kind of falling apart on the inside right now yeah because like he has no idea how we like he already had a near impossible task to find someone that no one had seen for a hundred years to bring him home just so he could ever have like a the life that he thought that he deserved and now he has even fewer resources um and he's confronted by his perfect sister who is going to do everything that she can to ruin his life and make him miserable he's really like Zuko is in a dark dark place right now Mm -hmm. and I think that that explains as we go forward um how much Iroh puts up with Zuko lashing out at him and making essentially just the wrong decision over and over and over again um because he's he's really deeply freaking out well I think it also stems from this 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 understanding also that he's like literally a kid Mm -hmm. right so there's this recognition of like a lack of experience and just judging based on his history and the way he talks about his own personal history, Iroh's history, he sees himself in Zuko and he knows the kind of tribulations that he went through. I'm assuming without this guidance, without this sort of like guiding moral compass that Iroh is is to Zuko. And so the fact that he's able to obviously not undo his own past, because again, he is a war criminal. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to undo that. But what he can do for Zuko is make sure that Zuko does not become the man that he was. And I think that that's yeah. the whole, like, why he puts up with so much shit is like, yeah. you can yell at me, you can hit me, you can do as much as you need to do to me. I just need to make sure that you do not become me. Because if you become me, then I've yeah. failed. And you I think that that's like the, yeah, exactly. You'll lose who you are. And there's a p- chance that you won't come out of it. I mean, thankfully, Iroh did, but that was also at the cost of his son, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, so he lost something so great to, for that catalyst, for that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if he sees Zuko go down that same path, arguably his life will be over. Like that, he, Zuko is the one thing that he has left. So if Zuko fails, he fails. And that's like, end of the story for and, him so that's that's yeah we see that and it's so like i feel like i tear up thinking about it because it is so intense and like that like uncle iroh is so genuine and good he's like he's literally willing to give up his life for zuko to make sure that zuko knows better than what his family taught him because his family is trash his yes. family is toxic his family is garbage they're bad people. And if he can make sure that Zuko becomes less of a bad person and arguably a good person by the time that he passes, he's, he's one. Well, and also too, you know? because like, I mean, there, even though Zuko is banished, right. There's a mm-hmm. very real possibility that Zuko could be the one that takes over when Sozin is gone. Right. Or he has mm. like, you know, he also has like uh, this. Ozai. Or, when Ozai? I'm sorry. Ozai. That's what I meant. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're okay. <laughs> But like he could take over, right? Or he could challenge, you know, he he could really um, bring about real change in the Fire Nation, right? So like it, Mm. you know, it's exactly what you said, Eric, on top of like he could fix the world and fix and fix um, fix his mistakes, right? Like 
potentially help heal some of the wounds that Iroh helped cause. Yeah, because also in this first episode, like episode one, Iroh also keeps Azula from murdering Zuko. Like Azula was oh, yeah. going to shoot Zuko with lightning. Zuko was down. He had no defenses. And Iroh literally grabs her hand and he's like, hey, no murdering your brother today for you, young lady. Yes. <laughs> Which was, I mean, amazing. I, and also a lovely callback to be like, oh yeah, Iroh can do that. Like Iroh yes. can redirect. That's something we know. Luckily, Obviously we'll get into it more this season. Yeah. Luckily. But we've already seen it so it makes sense. Brother. She was, she was like, straight up going to kill him. She was like, okay, so you won't let me take you prisoner, so yeah. time to <laughs> well, die. Well, you're, com- you're coming back. Yeah, you're either coming back a prisoner or you're not going anywhere. Yeah. You're going to cease to exist. So. Dad said it was fine either way, so. Yeah. <laughs> we hate we hate you. We literally hate you. We talk shit about you all the time. We have a club. Like, we have we'd... t-shirts. <laughs> like, yeah. a no Zuko club. Yeah. Straight up. That's like. He's Daddy just, and me. And yeah. Daddy club. and me. And I mean, I just think literally I think about it, you just brought it up and it clicked in my head. I forgot to say it. But like he, he literally like it's the, the task of him bringing back the avatar. It's not even like you said near impossible. But like even then, I th- he was sent because it's like this is never going to happen. Yeah. He's never going to. It's ne- he's never going to find it. Task. He was he was sent away this to disappear so yeah. to chase something to chase a ghost like. You have to go and find this non-existent thing and bring it back. And when you do, then we'll we'll love you and embrace you, and you'll be forgiven. And it's 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 just crazy. Yeah, fuck. I I she was gonna kill him straight up. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh no, he's dead now. I was like, all right. Oh my god. <laughs> Fucking Azula. Oh my god. She's so intense. Yeah, episode yeah. one. Let's kill this dude. <laughs> Literally. Thank you all so much for joining us for another lovely installment of the Muppets and the Appas and for our season two return. Thank you for your patience. We're back and we're going to do it to it. Music and editing by Eric Lefebvre. Artwork by David Tercero. Please don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. It helps us and we love you for it. Mwah. And remember... Uncle Ira was our favorite, but he was also a war criminal. He's, he's a war criminal. criminal. And here's a reminder is that he's he is still very hot. So let's not <laughs> forget. Big hottie. But he's, he's so hot. There's so much belly in this hot. episode. Like oh god. Abs- absolutely so much me, in this please. season of him being sexy. Uh, he's it's like they heard our notes and they said, yeah, I'll more know. more him nude, please. They're like, do children uh, want to crush on this old man in a cartoon oh, yeah. some more? Yes, they do. we do. want to absolutely morph the minds of these children into yes, having do. Uh, daddy complexes? Absolutely. Hell yes, we, we do. do. Um, okay, we'll see you next Just time. keep that Bye. in mind. Bye. <laughs> keep Bye. that in mind, yes, please. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
I take out my phone and find Quest Friends Forever on Spotify. I show him how to find Quest Friends Forever on Apple Podcasts. I share the Quest Friends Forever Instagram and YouTube pages with him. And you all get critical hits. Yay! Quest Friends Forever is an actual play podcast starring four friends with varying levels of Dungeons & Dragons experience. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday as we embark on fantasy adventures, play fast and loose with the rules, and laugh at each other's shenanigans. No prior D&D knowledge is required to listen, so everyone can feel free to join the fun. Quest Friends 4, that's the number 4, like how there's four of us, ever. Find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Quest Friends Forever.